Hey everyone, thanks for joining our show today. I just wanted to take a moment and say that I have a special announcement to make. I'm proud to say that our show is now sponsored by Patriot Mobile. Yes, it is. It is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Patriot Mobile is a company that shares our values and supports the causes that we care about, such as honoring our veterans, which you know is near and dear to my heart, helping first responders, and defending our constitutional rights. For me to learn more about Patriot Mobile and their amazing offers, you can visit my website that is with them. It is patriotmobile.com forward slash graceful. Or you can call them. And don't forget to mention this show, Graceful. When you sign up, you'll get a special discount. They'll remove the activation fee from the bill right off the bat. So check us out and remember to put in the code GRACEFUL. Now, let's get it back to today's topic. Hey guys, welcome to the Graceful Warrior Podcast. So as I was saying in Wednesday morning's Bible study, if you guys were able to catch that, um, I hope you enjoyed it. If not, go back and listen to it. I did a whole deep dive into the homosexuality, transgender, same-sex marriage, whole scenario. We did a deep dive and we discussed it. And I shared a bunch of scriptures, so check that out. All right, so... Um, we have a lot of recording going on right now, so I'm not able to get a guest for Coffee Break with God. I am actually doing a recording for myself. I'm being interviewed on another podcast today, right now, as you guys are listening in on this episode of Coffee Break with God. And so today, um, I wanted to share an older podcast episode that I did on Psalms chapter 14 about the atheist and um, what God says about them in Psalms chapter 4 through David. So um, I'm going to actually play this pre-recorded, this older um, episode that I did a long time ago and I believe it was in 2021 or 2022 but it still holds true today. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and I love you guys. And we will have some recordings next week on Coffee Break with God. And without further ado, here's Psalms 14. Have a blessed weekend. Welcome to Warriors of God Podcast. I'm your host, Monica, and you are on the Coffee with David and Solomon Show. Grab your Bible, pen, paper, and a fresh cup of coffee. Or if you care to just grab your ear pods, curl up with a blanket and listen, that's all right too. I'll be right back after this.
Well, good morning. It is a Friday morning, the last Friday of the month. And we are off to Memorial Weekend. So in honor of all the veterans out there, to those who have lost, I feel you. I know what it means. I salute you. I love you. And we will see them again. Never forget and never forgotten. Till Vahala. All right. Psalms and Proverbs with David and Solomon. We are in the book of Psalms 14. So if you want to flip on over to Psalms 14, that's where we are at. And we are going to get started. This chapter... The very first verse in this chapter is the one and only chapter and verse where it ever addresses the atheist across the earth. Nowhere else in the Bible does it talk about the atheist but in this one verse. And yet, it is the most known verse amongst the Christian community. Everybody knows this verse. And it's pretty powerful. And in it, it says, if you have your Bible, I read from the NIV because it's easier for me to teach it and to discuss it with you guys than it is for King James Version. A lot of those big words in there, this, 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 yes, <laughs> you know, it's just easier for me when I'm trying to do a study with a group of people to be able to use the NIV. So whatever version that you are using, if that's your favorite version, then by all means, stick with what you you like. All right. Verse 1. It says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's pretty big right there. And if you could follow with what uh, my, my thought process here. When I thought about this today. I was thinking, okay. The fool has says in his heart. There is no God. Well, first of all. For him to deny, for or for one, whether male or female, for one to deny that there is no God, there would have to be something there to turn around and deny it. How could you deny something if there never was anything there? I mean, does that fit? Do you get the gist of what I'm saying? With that, there has to be something there in order to deny its existence. See, man cannot satisfy himself himself that there there is none, that there is no God, but wishes that there were none. 
and he only pleases himself that it is possible that there may be none. See, the atheist really is that fool. He's simple and unwise. And he's unwise to the evidence of it. He's wicked, profane. And the word of God is a discerner of these thoughts. Here it is, the one scripture, one passage in the Bible that clearly tells the heart of the of the atheist. No ifs, ands, or buts. You don't have to have to add anything to this. Take away anything from this. From this, it is one sentence and is the most powerful sentence to the atheist man that God will say. See, no man will say there is no God till he is so hardened in sin that it becomes his interest that there should be none or no one to call him to an account. That's a hard, hardened heart in order to get to that point. They harden their hearts so much toward the concept of there is no God so that they cannot be called to an account. Wow. Pretty thought-provoking. And we, all we can do is pray and hope that God continues his mercy and, and at least God the Father proves his existence at least once through his glory, through the miraculous miracles, something, Lord, to give the atheist one last chance before you come and take your people. That's been my prayer. I have a family member that is that way. And I pray for that heart of stone to be a fleshly heart. It would turn to a fleshly heart. Because it is that hard. So, continuing on, verse 1. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any, any who understand. He looks down from heaven, you guys. There is that verse that says that the Lord looks to and fro from the ends of the earth, one end to the other end, to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. He doesn't say 50 million. He doesn't say 50,000. He doesn't say 100 he doesn't say 100,000. He, he doesn't say a few. He says all, everyone over the entire earth have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. And the Lord says, not even one. And then it was what? 
was it David or Solomon the other day that said all the righteous from the past, the ancient righteous, are now gone. So, to even look back then, nobody back then, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. And then here David goes on in, in verse 4 and he goes, Do all these evil doers know nothing? It's like, come on already. They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. How many of you are just so hungry, you pulled over to McDonald's, Burger King, your favorite fast food joint, you grab that juicy burger or those those fries or that that apple pie or that donut, whatever it is that you're, you're just like hungry. You need something to eat now. And you devour that cheeseburger, that slice of pizza, whatever it is. Because you're just that hungry. You devour it as though eating bread. It's the same thing with the wicked. They are constantly trying to destroy God's people, devour his people. But the Lord goes on to say, but there they are, the wicked. They are overwhelmed with dread. Because why? God is present in the company of the righteous. And then he goes on to say, you evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the people restores, when, when the Lord restores his people. I was letting my eyes get ahead of my sentences. <laughs> Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Verse 7, oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. See, and in this verse, I've had a lot of people text me about this verse or about the concept of Israel and Zion. I had somebody text me a couple of days ago this week saying, are we the people of Israel? I have been hearing that we are the people, of, that we are Israel. And I'm like, no, we are not. See, there, amongst all of this awakening time and all of the the anon um, memes, anon um, digs and searches, and trying to use biblical things to to look at the prophecy things to say what's going, you know how it is out there with all of that. We don't even have to go into all of that. And so many people have gotten things so wrong that now we have a lot of Americans because of Anons coming in through Telegram and telling the people that Israel is bad because of the Zionists. Now, God clearly says, oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, that they would, that the Zionists would get saved is what he's saying. 
So if you live in Israel and you live in Zion, does that mean you're automatically wicked? No, because not everybody is wicked in Zion. That's like saying America is wicked and needs to be destroyed. Is all of America wicked because of the few up in the Capitol? No. It's those few in the Capitol that need to go down. Not all of America. So it is the same thing with Israel. Not all of Zion is bad. It's those running Zion, those that are tearing it down. So we have to remember that because what a lot of people seem to screw up is that if Anon says something, it must be word. It is God. No. They're only assuming they've done some research and this is what they think it is by their research. But guess what? We have heard and seen through a lot of anons that have come out and said, oh, the boss is going to take over January 20th of 2021. I know it. And what happened? We're in 2022, six months in. Starting next week. So it is when God says it's time to bring Donald Trump in, when it's time, when he has destroyed it all on his own, because he doesn't need Donald Trump's help. He created Donald Trump. He don't need the creation to help him, the creator. And I oftentimes too am reminded through Kim Clement God prophesied, he said, am I impressed with your weapons of war? Am I impressed with your legs, your man of legs, your soldiers? Because see, everybody says, military is the only way. Military is the only way. Please, Mr. Trump, come rescue us. No, it is still God that's going to rescue us. And Trump has said that. He's been in church services. For those that, that follow me on my Patreon page, we just saw a video of President Trump saying, I am not the Savior. No, that Savior is much higher. So, the whole concept of saying, ah, Israel's all bad, they're all Zionists. No, they are not. That whole concept is wrong. The Lord says that he owed that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. He wishes that there would be salvation for the Zionists. All right. Enough of that. Flip over to Proverbs. Let's go see David's son, Solomon. What is Solomon known for? My people on Patreon know 
We did a study on Solomon. He was king. He took over for David, over Israel. Served many, many years. He had about a thousand wives. And they said about, well, let's back up. He had at a minimum 700 wives, 300 side chicks. He had his concubine. There's a thousand women right there. For every woman that has at least, what, two? Two children? Maybe three? That's 3,000 kids right there. And we cry if somebody that we meet has like three kids. Plus our two. There's a household of five. That would be like nothing to Solomon. I, I could I could not, no, not doing it. That's too many women. <laughs> Way too many. All right, so I hope I've given you some time to flip over to Proverbs. Proverbs uh, 14. This is a long one, and so I will just get into reading it and stop where we may. And share a little bit of thoughts on verses. And um, in here, Solomon does, he lays out in this book um, a lot of wisdom and just everyday simple truths to everyday living. And he continues to still point out the, the characteristics of the wicked versus the characteristics of the righteous so that we can know the difference. All right, verse one. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Right there, what does that mean to you? The wise woman builds her house. So the woman goes ahead and gets married. She prepares her house, furnishes it with all of the goods, brings food in. Does the, does the woman thing where we start hanging up pictures, this, that, and the other. Choosing our theme in the house. But what does it mean with her own hands, the foolish one? Tears hers down. For me, I look at it and go, okay, Lord, the foolish one. What is a foolish woman? Well, we have learned throughout previous studies and previous podcasts that the foolish woman is the one that tends to disrespect the husband. The adulterous woman. The one that goes out there and does things she shouldn't. Who spends all her husband's hard-earned hard money instead of providing. Now she puts her whole household in debt. Or she's an adulterous woman. And ends up destroying her whole household. To be a nag 
consistently tearing down the husband. That's how one tears the household down. Verse 2. Whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly, but those who despise him are devious in their ways. A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protects them. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox come abundant harvests. Pretty simple there. You don't work, you don't eat. An honest witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. The mocker seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge comes easily to the discerning. Stay away from a fool. <coughs> Excuse me. For you will not find knowledge on their lips. The wisdom of the prudent or cautious is to give thought to their ways. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but the folly of fools is deception. Fools mock at making amends for sin. Those that try to go make it right, they end up getting laughed at. But goodwill is found among the upright. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Here's what I find interesting. Why is it that the house of the wicked, why is the wicked in a house, but the righteous or that upright is in a tent? You would think that it would be the other way around, right? The house of the wicked. That was very interesting. And then verse 10, even though it, when we go uh, back a verse, each heart knows its own bitterness. And you know, when I thought about that, I was like, well, Lord, you know our own hearts better than we know ourselves. So how would we know our own bitterness? And I got to looking at it way too deeply. And the more that I thought about it, I was like, well, when I look at my own heart, we do know those weaknesses that we still have or that old man that is still there that we know we need to to work on. And that is part of how we know its own bitterness. That is still that part of us that we know we have to fix that or we have to continue to turn it over to the Lord to get fixed. Verse 12, there is a way that appears to be right it appears, that's the key word, it appears to be right. Kind of like one of those things, if it sounds too good to be true, probably is. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. The faithless will be fully repaid 
for their ways and the good rewarded for theirs. And notice how it says the faithless will be fully repaid. It doesn't just say the faithless, oh, they're going to be repaid. He says fully. So there is no escape for all the crap that they have done. The simple believe anything. How many of you know somebody that you can go tell them right now something so idiotic and stupid that they'll go out and believe believe it without even a second thought? I know people like that. They'll believe anything. But the prudent give thought to their steps. The wise fear the Lord and shun evil. But a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The cautious are crowned with knowledge. The simple inherit foolishness. They're quick to jump in and do whatever they, they don't think before they, they, they react, before they do, before they speak. But the prudent or the cautious, they're crowned with knowledge because they go, wait a minute, I have to either pray about it, go talk to my significant other about it, or weigh the scales of pros and cons and figure out if this is wise enough to even do, say, go, whatever the situation may be. Evildoers will bow down in the presence of the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Until that money seems to blow, huh? Once that money is gone... Hmm, we find out who the true friends are. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Do not, do not those who plot evil go astray? Or do they, do they not show? They show their, their, their evil ways. But those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. All hard work brings a profit, no matter what it is, as long as it is honest work. And if it, it brings pro profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Kind of like saying, uh, put your money where your mouth is. It could be all talk, but no action. Right? The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fools yields folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. And whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. What does it mean? Because we have these two scriptures. This one that I just read and the following. 
And we just read it in verse 2. So there's three verses in here that state this. What does it mean to you? <clears throat> the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord to you in your life? Have you had that? Have you dealt with that? Have you asked the Lord? How am I to have the fear of you? And you know, I used to think about that and I was like, well, okay, fear of the Lord's simple enough. He's 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 God. He can he can step on me and, and I'm done. Right? We think of that. But when you actually ask the Lord or go to him and ask him and bring this to him or to think about just thinking about the massiveness of God. And how do I even put this into words? I had a friend, and this is going to sound crazy, and I know some people have kind of seen these type of things. I've had a friend that... Um, took a picture in the sky and sometime later went back to it. The Lord had told her, go look back at that picture that you took when you were at these lakes. And so she was like, what? So she went and grabbed her phone, flipped through her phone to go find the picture. And she, when she found it, she looked at it and the Lord told her, you are the apple of my eye. And she kept looking at it. And lo and behold, there was a huge human eye in the cloud. This huge eye. And years later, six, seven years later, when I had met her, the Lord told her to send that picture to me and to tell me, I see you. And when she sent it to me, and she says, the Lord says to tell you, I see you. I was like, I see you? What? So I look open. I open up the, the message, look at the picture, and there's this huge human eye in the clouds. Like the eyelash, the eyeball, everything. Huge. And I'm like, oh my God. It showed me the massiveness, how big. We can't even fathom how big God is. It's like, take the jolly green giant and go bigger. Huge. God is huge. And right then and there did I understand the fear of the Lord. Of how big he is and yet we are a blade of grass we can wither away we're like dust in the we're like the grains of sand and all he's got to do is go and we're done breathe blow a silent and we're done he knows how what is it moral we are immoral I, I get the two confused how human we are, 
that we we can just at the at, just at a slightly spoken word if he were to say something in anger or shout or yell at this earth I I I couldn't imagine. I don't want to be here when God's wrath is laid out on earth. So to me, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. I know how massive God is now after seeing that. And I have kept that picture in my phone. It is... It is my lock screen. So when I get my phone, I constantly see the eye of the Lord as a reminder. There's a reverential fear, and that's what it means to me, a reverential fear of him because he is God Almighty. At the same time, he is my father. And I am learning that he is my friend. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. A large population is a king's glory, but without subject, a prince is ruined. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It's kind of like that one, the sin to despise one's neighbor. When we have envy towards what they have. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down. But even in death, the righteous seek refuge in God. Wisdom reposes, or meaning lays to rest, in the heart of the discerning. And even among fools, she lets herself be known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. When we live correctly according to the Lord, it exalts a nation. But sin condemns any people. We are guilty the minute sin enters our life. There's no getting around it. But we, yes, but we have a father to go to. To say, I screwed up, Lord, forgive me. A king delights in a wise servant, but a shameful servant arouses his fury. And here, to sum it all up, we have to have that reverential fear. Solomon said it three times in this chapter. Whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly. And he says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. 
So I would challenge you today. What does it mean to you in your personal walk with the Lord to have a fear of the Lord? Maybe go to God and ask, do I have that fear of you or do I take you for granted? Do I take your mercy seat for granted? And if you do, learn quickly what it means to have the fear of the Lord. The time is short. The end is at any time. The Lord could call us home at any time. Do you have that fear of the Lord? Do you have the Lord in your heart? Are you upright? Are you just? Are you trying to live the best that you can for the Lord and to the Lord? Sure, we screw up, but we have the Father who shed his blood for the redemption of our sins. And all we got to do is to go to him and say, I messed this up. Help me to do better. And with that, I will leave you to a great weekend. I love you. Well, thanks for joining us on Coffee Break with God, a podcast for anyone who wants to grow in their faith and discover the amazing ways that God works in our lives. I hope you enjoyed our inspiring conversations with our guests from different backgrounds, perspectives, and walks of life. So whether you need a shot of inspiration or a dash of encouragement or even a scoop of reflection. I hope this podcast is your perfect companion for a coffee break with God. Till next time, who's up for a second cup of coffee? Hey everyone, I just want to take a quick minute hope that you're enjoying this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and listening to my podcast. Wherever you listen to your favorite, I'm honored to be able to share that time with you. But hey, I wanted to let you know, I have my own webpage on Captivate. And I'm going to leave the link in the description below. But if you were to join me on my page, you have some perks that are coming to you. What kind of perks you say? Well, if you would subscribe for eight bucks a month, I will give you bonus content, my extra show that I have. And then on top of that, you'll get 24 hour early access to all the shows that the public already gets. And then I'll even throw in an extra perk. If you have your own business, you could send me the name of your business and I'll shout it out on this podcast at the cost of eight bucks. It's a deal in itself. I understand that if you don't want to subscribe just yet, hey, just buy me my favorite drink. I have two of them, actually. One is a cold coffee first thing in the morning. I love a caramel macchiato. 
And my other favorite summertime drink is a lotus banana blueberry chai. Oh, that's my favorite drink. Just hit the tip button and go ahead and leave me a tip and just buy me a drink. All right, with all of that, I just want to say thank you. And let's get back to the show. <laughs> 